You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Stardom Road Podcast here on the Count Out Podcast Network. I am your host, as always, Scott Edwards, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Trent Brewer. Trent, how are you? I'm doing okay. I've been busy today, which is kind of unusual for me, uh, but I'm here, I'm seated, I'm ready. Uh, we've got some important things to cover, so I can't be lollygagging around outside in the middle of summer when the sun is blaring and the wind is just right. I guess this is a good time to let the people know if you feel like seeing me and Trent's beautiful faces for some reason when watching this episode. I know a lot of people like the video podcast aspect. We are now going to have our audio up on YouTube every single week moving forward. Uh, So thank you for watching the beginner's guide and the tiers list because that made us have to do this every week uh <laughs> but otherwise every second week there's a every difference. second week it's not too bad i mean to be fair if you're watching the video this is what we look like anyways when we're recording the episode so it's not that big of a deal but hey facial expressions you know maybe we'll get angry actually this i don't think we get angry that much on the show which is pretty nice not um, this, show. this this show is a happy place this is a happy place any other show that me and Trent do together oof but uh, if, if you listen to our last part, of course, that was DDM part one, Donna Del Mondo, of course, ending uh, just earlier this year. And we felt it was a perfect time to do our first faction episode. Uh, we're not taking any guesses on what will be our next faction episode. Club Venus will probably not be getting one, folks. I, I apologize. Uh, <laughs> they, they, uh, they, as a faction, they didn't last very long. Like, if you actually think of like how long they lasted as a faction as one, and they didn't have the impact as DDM, I would say. They had so, two uh, permanent members. Yeah. It was less a faction, more a tag team that just invited friends from overseas to party. Yeah, and when the and when the two were finally left together, one of them got hurt. So that's tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're here to talk Don Del Mondo part two. Like I said, this will be uh the twenty start of twenty twenty two to the end of ddm which of course came into 2024 on january 4th uh and this is kind of when everything starts to break down for this group after two years of domination uh we we ended it perfectly last episode right shuri was now the world of stardom champion everyone had a title at the time and by the end of this episode yeah, you're right. They don't even exist anymore. But it didn't take too long for faction members to start leaving this overpowered group. And we'll get to their most overpowered mm-hmm. in just a little bit. But, Trent, before we get into the full story and the full rundown of them breaking up, what was your feeling about DDM heading into the new year? Because we knew we had the new Momo mask joining the group. Uh, everyone's a champion. Like, could they be stopped? Would I have thought at that time, two years later, they'd be gone? No, 
that's definitely not what I would have been thinking. I, I definitely didn't think they were going to break up in two years' time from that moment. But I do remember at the time thinking, and I wasn't the only one thinking this, something has to give. As you said, everyone was a champion. Everyone was kind of in their top form. And now they're bringing these two new mystery people. And it felt like Julia was kind of going outside of Donna Del Mondo's overall vision in doing this. Like the, the, the Momo mask that were then being brought in felt like a Julia thing, not a Donna Del Mondo thing. And I remember thinking at the time, hmm, this is kind of interesting when you've got someone like Shuri who's a champion. You've got my Himipoi kind of doing their thing. And they, they've all had pretty strong connections with Shuri as well as Julia. It kind of felt something might give. It didn't fall the way I thought it would necessarily. Um, but I do remember thinking this feels a little too good to be true. Yeah, I remember once they added the new members, I think the conversation was, is this going to split into two different groups, which it mm. essentially did. Um, who's going to leave? What's going to make sense after all this? And I feel like everyone at one point out of that faction was pitched to be leaving. Um <laughs> Except for Julia, obviously, because DDM was Julia's group, as we have found out two years later. Mm. Um, but I, it did feel like everyone was like, oh, Micah can go start her own faction. Oh, but the obvious answer was, of course, Shuri, who was the mm. World of Stardom champion at the time, felt like she was ready to be a leader of the group. But uh, let's... let's No, that couldn't work. I know, I know. But let's let's get into it. Enough uh, jibber-jabber, I guess, here. We'll, we'll get into the actual... Uh, the actual context of what happened to this group. So it was January 3rd, live on YouTube. I remember this because I watched mm. um, that they held a house show. It was their first show of their year, New Year's Stars. Pretty normal for them. That's what they do. They run a live show on January 3rd every year, pretty much now. Uh, that's kind of their new staple. And, you know, of course, this year we got another staple, but I digress. Uh, and it was in the main event that. It would be Julia and the Momo masks. And the Momo mask would be revealed to be none other than the former TJPW wrestler, Mirai Mayumi, now just going by Mirai, as well as former Ice Ribbon wrestler, Tekla. Uh, this, this, I remember the reaction to this uh, because in the buildup, people had started to connect the dots that it was likely these two uh, because Mirai had left TJPW, but she was not retiring and Tekla had also left Ice Ribbon. So it, it was only starting to make sense. It was kind of the same thing when Natsupoi had been coming into the group. You you know, you connect the dots enough mm -hmm. to make sense. And within one night, I remember I remember that debut fondly because everyone was talking about Tekla. Like everyone was like, oh, like they took away like what made Mirai Mirai? And I, I, I vividly remember that. I was like, she's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. I was one of the first people. was like, she's going to be fine. Just give it time. But Tekla really made people notice her. And maybe that was the most popular she ever was, truthfully, in, in stardom. I just feel like that was like everyone was so interested in her. And little did we know at the time it was going to all all be about Mirai by the end of the next two months, even. It made sense, too, because Tekla is someone who, like, the way she wrestles, the way she carries herself as a performer, it is very eye-catching from the very beginning. 
Now, she's got this kind of wild out there style. She's running all over the shop. She does the backwards bend thing. She, she's got a lot about her that will catch her eye straight away. And for people who weren't aware of who these two wrestlers were, and there's a good mix of people who had some knowledge, a lot of knowledge, no knowledge, Tekla is always going to stand out in that situation. And it kind of felt like they intentionally not told Mariah to take it easy, but it definitely felt like they went out there with an idea to put Tekla forward first and foremost and kind of knew, look, we can, we've got other plans for Mariah. She'll get over in her own time. Um, but it felt like a statement match for Tekla. And it worked wonderfully because at the end of this show, everyone was talking about Tekla. And like, oh, what's she going to do? Where she's going to end up with stardom and how far will she go? Because she was very well respected in Ice Ribbon and doing her thing outside of stardom. And I think seeing the opportunity for her to work in the biggest Joshi League uh, felt like there's going to be a lot of options that maybe didn't get realised fully. Um, but on that night, like... Whether that was her most popular or not, it can be debated, but I think that was when more people were talking about her. Notably, uh, Tekla came in as a former Triangle Ribbon champion, which was one of their secondary belts and Ice Ribbon. While Mariah, of course, didn't have many accolades to her name, she was still kind of like, what do we have here type mm -hmm. wrestler? And obviously, we would go on to learn they had a lot in Mariah. Uh, we won't be talking to... Sorry, yeah. uh, just quickly. You also had the Ice Ribbon connection with Julia, and that was yes. very apparent very early on. Yes. These two seemed basically inseparable from the moment Tekla yeah. was in Donna Del Mondo. They were attached at the hip. Whereas yeah. Mariah came in, she didn't have that same connections, and that kind of played a pretty important role in these first couple of weeks. And which is also notable is they did defeat Tam Nakano, Unai Sayaka, and Mai Sakurai, who would slowly but surely be recruited to the group. We'll get there mm -hmm. in a second. But if anyone had doubts about Mirai, it ended very quickly on January 8th, because in her second appearance for not only the company, but her new faction, she laid down the challenge for Shuri, who had newly won uh, who had just won the World of Stardom Championship, and that would be Shuri's first defense at Supreme Fight on the 29th of January. Um, instant big spot for mm. Mirai. Not only was this a real challenge, I think, for Shuri right out the gates, but it was what... It, it is the perfect way to show how Rossi Ogawa books. It is the ultimate sink or swim, and that is what he did with Mirai. He said, no, we're not going to wait around on this one. We are going to put you in a world title match against the best wrestler on the roster at the time, and we're going to see what you can do. People had felt like she was underused in TJPW, wasn't given a chance to shine. Rossi heard those things and basically said, okay, well, let's find out what you got. You know, chucking her into a main event spot without having established her really, without giving her time to get accustomed. And also chucking her in, obviously Shuri was now well and truly the dominant face in stardom. But like there was no chance for her to build up her reign here. She had to hit the ground running. And like we talk about this with a few championship reigns that happen, they can start a little slower. It takes some time to find their mark. They weren't doing Shuri any real favours here. Like, to send her out with someone who was only in the business for a couple of years, had only been in the company for a week and had two matches, one of which she wasn't the focal point of. Uh, it's it's asking a lot. And I think, you know, 
this wasn't necessarily a highlight moment for either of their careers in the long run. But it, like, you can't look at what happened here and not think, well, you know, this is why Rossi has so much faith in Mariah because he's always had so much faith in Mariah. And yeah, he keeps giving her chances because like generally she delivers in these moments. They of course went on to have the match on January 29th and Shuri would successfully defend against Mariah. We kind of get to see what Mariah would end up being. It was a real match of having her, having her figure it out as she went. Mm. And, and that's kind of what everyone in DDM had to do throughout their time so i think there's a lot of there's a big theme there with that it's that all right let's send you into the let's send you to the wolves and see what happens right they did it with him making the five star obviously um which is a big one that i i like to make that comparison because you know going to the finals of the five star um it means a lot more now obviously than even mm. did then but still it's a big deal it's all about making these wrestlers figure it out in the big moments rather than having them just hang around and develop and develop and develop kind of like Mariah had been doing for the majority of her career up until that point. Yeah. And I mean, you also saw it with someone like Utami, like she got chucked in straight from the start. Like she debuted a week later. She was in the five-star Grand Prix. She made the finals in her first year too. It's just that kind of thing where Rossi, if he brings you in and he has faith in you, he's going to throw you hard. And even like wrestlers who maybe don't have that same level if you are in any position someone may see becoming a name of importance, you will get your opportunities to prove yourself. You will get matches in title situations probably earlier than you would in just about any other promotion. You can really rise up the ranks quickly or you can maybe have to go wait in line because stardom, very top-heavy. That mid-card, upper mid-card is stacked beyond degree. And if they give you a chance and you don't deliver – well, you're going to have to wait a while to get that second or third opportunity. Um, I think another example here too with Donna Del Mondo coming in and it's Donna Del Mondo versus Donna Del Mondo. They're not afraid to have these sort of faction mates, butt heads, find out who's the strongest. That's the whole point of this group really. And you get someone like in that Hemaker position, come straight in, straight into sort of prominence, straight into essentially demanding a chance above and beyond where you would expect. It's also... Uh worth noting i think this match is very important because it does play a part in both of them leaving stardom later this year um Mariah learned a lot from shuri through this match um and of course shuri would go on to start god's eye uh, leaving donna del mundo not stardom oh yeah my you bad. scared me there for a second no 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 sorry. Like, what, what have you heard no they no 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 i heard nothing <laughs> <laughs> i heard nothing no they're not leaving stardom uh they both left ddm at yes. the time i'm reading our logo here that says stardom road and i'm just you know you ever read something and you're just like okay i'm gonna read that word no they left it they left ddm this was a big important match for that case mm. of course mm. uh but let's move forward and this group at the time was up to seven members uh it is worth noting that earlier in january uh, the, the dissension between Julia and Shuri slowly started to begin when they lost the tag titles in their first defense since Julia's return, losing the titles to FWC, the goddess of stardom tag league winners from the year prior. Uh, that was the first case of those two being a little bit no, you know, no longer on the same wavelength that they were during their dominant title reign before 
Julia's injury. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to note that as well. But after, on February 12th, for some reason, this damn group had to get bigger. And I remember this one. I'm not going to say fondly. I just remember this one uh, because I, I was like, why Why are we doing this? What is the, what is the point of this? And that, of course, was my Sakurai defecting from Cosmic Angels, joining DDM, uh, and I quote, I don't want to dance. I want to wrestle. Of course, um, her success or lack thereof in the faction that was Cosmic Angels started to add up more and more and more. And that, of course, led to Julia trying to get her to change sides. Obviously, this would come back to bite Julia later in the year in a much bigger way. Uh, but this group would make it to eight members and it was absolutely insane uh i just remember like how big this group was and i was like what <laughs> what are we doing here <laughs> this was a group that had the size of like oedo tie at its fullest yeah without the need for the gang mentality that oedo tie utilizes because yeah. especially modern oedo tie they rely on numbers because individually they're not necessarily yeah, a lot of youngsters, up-and-comers, they're not in a position to enforce themselves. That's not the case with Donna Del Mondo. You know, the majority of these wrestlers can more than carry their own in a singles match. And seeing this group with eight people, like that moment, like the, the visual you see of it is kind of absurd because you have every single member that Donna Del Mondo have ever put in their faction together at one point. Now, it doesn't last that long. But it's just wild to see. You can get this photo of the entirety of Donna Del Mondo as a faction. My Sakurai at the time was not very popular, uh, especially in the Western circles. Uh, a lot of people kind of shrugging and saying, what is she doing here? Shout out to that I Jordan have... Patu meme. My Sakurai. <laughs> yes, very popular <laughs> meme that spread through that time. It is wild. Like My Sakurai's career did a complete 180 on this moment. Yep. Who knows what would have happened because it almost feels like a, a switch flicked inside of her joining Donna Del Mondo. She didn't become a world-class wrestler, a, a red belt contender from day one after joining Donna Del Mondo. But the switch in personality, the switch in wrestling seemed to come very suddenly. And yeah, it just kind of unlocked everything in her and went from like, oh, she's arguably the most uninteresting, the worst member of the roster and she very quickly found her footing in Donna Del Mondo and has continued to improve to the point now in 2024 where character-wise, she's arguably one of the most popular wrestlers. Yeah, she has uh, gotten herself over, and I think that's, again, um, a credit to what DDM was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt like anyone that joined that group was able to get themselves over. So at this time, the faction was as followed. Julia Shuri, Micah Hameka, Natsupoy, Mirai, Tekla, and my Sakurai. Uh, those numbers would quickly dwindle down. Uh, so it is worth noting as we move forward here, back at Supreme Fight, while Shuri was already fighting inside her own faction, Right before that match, it was Julia and Mayu Iwatani squaring off to earn their opportunity at a World of Stardom Championship. That match would go to a draw, and a draw meant two title matches for Shuri at Stardom World Climax, including one against Julia when that became official. The writing was on the wall, folks. 
we were we were moving closer and closer to the end of what was just the greatest run of an original faction i had seen uh you know ddm was unstoppable with these two at the top but we knew once sure he got that world title it wasn't going to last so it was on march 21st ahead of their title match that alk officially disbanded uh the, no, no more will we get the incredible entrances between the two no more will we get the fun antics between the two these two were going their separate ways julia said it's time to leave each other for our future and for stardom's future and not only did shuri announce that she would essentially move on from ddm but so she would be bringing a bodyguard with her and i rue the day ever since uh but i'll let you speak now <laughs> yeah, it, it's interesting here because like during this moment, it's kind of accepted that Shuri's going to leave Donna Del yeah. Mondo, but it's never explicitly said until mm -hmm. the title match. And it's just interesting, like, the little things they throw. Like, Shuri basically says to Julia, all of your Donna Del Mondo crew, all six other people in this faction, they can be on your side. Yeah. I only need one with me. And, you know, it turned out to be Army Saray. It was a shame seeing ALK sort of break up like this because yeah. even... Even though I think they were a little unpopular at first because it just felt like Julia's getting more of a push and more protection and all of that. They became very quickly one of the most popular groups because it really allowed each wrestler to show the full depth of their personality. We knew Shuri was a killer, but this really showed that she has a lot of a, a really fun side, you know, a little bit wacky, a little bit quirky side that we would see pop up but never for extended periods until ALK. Allowed Julia to show a bit more personality. She didn't have to be as effortly cool as she was originally. Now, she didn't yeah. look uncool doing ALK, but you could see she was willing to have a bit of fun at her own expense. And I think it was stuff like this that did slowly break down the initial uh, unwillingness to accept Julia with some segments of the fan base. This is where um, this is where stardom dramatically changed, I think, uh, because with that original DDM, despite uh, you know some fans like you know wanting them not to always dominate and things like that, Shuri and Julia no longer being connected really was the end of DDM as we know it, and we could figure it wasn't just going to stop there obviously because there are still many more members shuri is leaving the group someone's going to have to go with her um so let's get to it march 26th this is when shuri officially announced that she was leaving ddm and this is also when shuri and julia battered one another in the first night of stardom world climax in an incredible main event against each other um, and it was Shuri who was able to pick up the win and rid Julia at the time. I remember when this title match was happening, some people thought, oh, maybe this is going to finally be Julia's crowning moment. But that's not how stardom tells stories, people. Uh, there is a lot more to it. And this was only the beginning of getting there. So with um, Shuri leaving the faction, of course, Ami Saray would be by her side first. And it wasn't too long after that, about a week, where on the, was it the opening night of the Cinderella? Yes. That Shuri and Ami Saray would main event against one another, kind of 
testing what the new bodyguard would be. By the way, this bodyguard nickname disappeared very quickly after this. I don't think I ever heard it again. Uh, but it, Shuri it disappeared after the first night. Yeah, yeah. Shuri defeated Ami Saray and announced that her faction would be none other than God's Eye. And I think to the shock of many at this time, because there were so many reasonable options for Shuri, right? You were like, oh, okay, it's going to be Micah or Hameka. I think that was the main conversation. Mm. And that's a point made sense. But Micah and Hameka just felt like, okay, they're both ready to be number twos in a faction. And this, again, plays to what we said earlier. It was always Mirai that was getting <laughs> that push. Mirai would leave Donna Del Mondo, and Julia was not happy about this. Uh, this Julia was very angry about this backstage. It's a great backstage clip if you could find it. I'm sure if you watch the show in Stardom World, it's on there. Um, but Mirai would come out, ask to join the faction, and leave DDM. So that's now two wrestlers leaving DDM, and definitely one of them was not expected at the time and God's eye was born. Yeah. And it made perfect sense looking at it in hindsight, because as we talked about, Mariah came in and it felt like Julia cared more about Tekla and all the focus was on Julia and Tekla, Julia and Tekla and Mariah, she takes a swing at Shuri and Shuri basically tells her after the match, I want to help you get better. I want to help you get stronger. So Mariah found her connection point in Shuri. Now, Shuri's leaving Donna Del Mondo. Mariah doesn't have long-standing connections to this group, not like Mike or Himika or Natsapoi. She's only just joined. She didn't have the friendship base there. So it made sense for her to follow Shuri in this situation. But it definitely did feel like people thought it was going to be Mike or Himika. Uh, just as you said, like both of them felt primed to be a number two in a faction. Donna Del Mondo even losing Shuri, you'd still have that power struggle between them. Yeah. Why not give one of them the chance to show themselves. And I think everything worked out for the best mm -hmm. in how they handled it this time. Uh, but it did feel like, you know, that would have been the best way to bring Donna Del Mondo down a peg yeah. in strength and also help lift God's eye up. Because you had Shuri, obviously the number one dog in stardom, but Ami Sarai was still very much unproven commodity. Mariah mm -hmm. still kind of having to prove herself. Yeah. You didn't have the secure base of one of the My Himad duo to necessarily solidify this group and it's a big reason why god's eye took a long time to find an identity mm -hmm. because for they were pretty much just still ddm <laughs> in many yeah. ways with because you know ami and mariah just weren't at that level to kind of rise up with shuri who obviously was unstoppable at the time as the world champion uh but i think you're absolutely right it did work out for everyone in the end obviously mm -hmm. we're saying that with micah as the you know, having have won the world championship and uh, Hameka retiring, like that would have been problematic for that faction and so on. Uh, but after Mariah officially left, the bleeding in DDM finally felt like it stopped. It was like, all right, how does this faction now get back on track, right? Um, because I think that's a big part of any faction that loses members, right? We saw it with Stardom a lot. Uh, stars i keep saying stardom that's my apologies we saw it with stars right when they kept losing member after member right they lost fuki your dad starlight kid it took time mm. for them to get back i mean you know mayu had to uh mayu had to go get um koguma out of retirement 
to give them some help. And then, you know, she also got Hazuki out of retirement. And then, you know, it all worked out for the best. But uh, also during this time, it started flashing champions. Um, we saw her makeup, Micah, and Natsupoi lose the Artists of Stardom Championships after having a record reign with the most successful defenses. So Maime Poi dropping the belts there. They could not twist and get back on the on the mountain, right? No one's a champion at this point. This is the mm. first time DEM hadn't had a title since they're essentially when they started. Yeah, basically their second match together as a unit brought them the artist titles and since then at least one member of that group had a championship and yeah it hurts them because they've gone for so long as this dominant faction and now they are starting to bleed they're losing members they're losing championships and it's also important during this time like when Mahima Poi lost the championships Natsupoi's focus started to drift away you know, they before they lost the titles, they fought Cosmic Angels once more, and Natsupoi was just locked in on Tan Nakano. That would eventually build into a feud between them, and it kind of drew her focus away from the group. Some of that selfishness that Himeka kind of pointed out in the previous year was starting to show itself again, and Donna Del Mondo as a faction didn't have the same strength it did to necessarily handle this loss of focus. And one of the most emotional moments we've seen in a stardom ring, that bleeding, again, did not stop. It was at Midsummer Champions on July 9th, 2022, that in a faction warfare elimination match, the unthinkable happened when Natsupoi turned her back on DDM, on Julia, and joined cosmic angels it is a moment i very much remember not because at the time it just felt like she focused on tam and had the rivalry but at that time i was like i don't think she's leaving like they Mm. didn't give a hint of that they they on the surface they hated each other that's what we were seeing um but natsupoi wanted to join tam Joy, go by her side. Ultimately, she would be the one to become the number two here uh, mm-hmm. in a faction. Little did we know uh, when we were thinking about it earlier in that year. And this was the hardest departure that DDM had to face. They were emotional wrecks in that match, uh, post match. Yep. You know, there were tears. There were everyone was heartbroken. Julie was pissed. Uh, <laughs> Julie was not happy. Julie also got dropped on her head, so I wouldn't have been <laughs> that happy either. But uh, Tekla was crying. Like, obviously, Hameka and Natsupoy had gone with they went through last year at this time. It was a mess, but it's one of the most important moments of the past couple of years in stardom because. This was the end of the bleeding, as we learned for DDM. But oh, it was the emotional, the emotional, the saddest one of them all. Yeah, it's important to remember, like when Shuri left, there was kind of a mutual respect and understanding. Julia and Shuri kind of looked at each other and said, "We're too big. The town's not big enough for the two of us." Yeah, at this point, Mm -hmm. they can fight, they can do all that, but it was going to tear the faction apart. So they kind of made the mature decision to step away. Mariah leaving pissed Julia off, but she hadn't had time to build connections and relationships with anyone else in the faction, really. So her leaving kind of sucked, but no one was outside of maybe my Sakurai, which is important for their futures together. 
no one was too heartbroken about it. The Natsupoi one stung for two reasons. Natsupoi had been there not since the beginning, but pretty close to, and had formed very intricate bonds with everyone in this group. She left to join Tam, of all people, who Tam and Cosmic Angels were the most heated rivals with Julia and Donna Del Mondo. And thirdly, she did it through active betrayal. Everyone else walked away in like a polite kind of, I'm handing in my resignation. Thank you for my time here in Donna Del Mondo. Wish you best in your future endeavours. Natsapoy left, not with a kind goodbye. She super kicked Julia and cost her the match. Yeah. Like, it's a very different situation here. And it is so, like, heart-wrenching seeing everyone processing this betrayal in real time. And Natsapoy is struggling with it too. Like, it's almost like she knew what she was doing but didn't realise how hard it would hit her until the aftermath of it. And, yeah, it's just such a powerful situation. I wish they had maybe developed this more in the aftermath. They sort of would come back to this betrayal a few times, but they didn't necessarily deep dive into a full-on post-betrayal rivalry and storyline. It was just kind of everyone in Donna Del Mondo would take their chance to beat up Natsapoi. Uh, but this moment is one of the more emotional. Stardom do faction betrayals very well, and this was another perfect example of it. The uh, worst it got was when Julia and Natsapoy faced off in the five-star Grand Prix. That mm. was a beatdown by those, mostly Julia, but Natsapoy. When she got her licks in, she, she hit she hit her hard many many times it's one of the more uh nasty matches of what was a fantastic tournament in 2022 but speaking of that tournament like i said the bleeding had stopped for ddm once and for all and it was time to finally get back to the top and this was really the story of the year at this point it was all about julia finally getting to the top of stardom and of course it started here with the five star grand prix she would go on to win this very tournament after dropping her first few matches including an emotional one to mirai which just pissed her off all the more um, and it would bring her to a final night where she would face Suzu Suzuki and Tam Nakano, one of the best, most perfectly laid out fi- uh, final nights I've seen just for those two matches alone. Mm. And by the end of that show, not only was DDM, not only did DDM feel like it was back on top in a way, but Julia, after over a year and a half of not truly being on top of stardom, was well on her way back. And she set up a date with Shuri at Stardom Dream Queen. Of course, a year prior was when we kind of thought Julia was going to ascend in this situation. Her injury in the five-star Grand Prix put a pin on that and allowed Shuri to rise up. So at this point, everyone was kind of ready for Julia, and I think that extra year of struggling really set things up properly. You know, she struggled in the previous year. She lost her hair, but it felt like this year with the losses to the faction – that kind of these kind of sort of battles that she had, that's what truly prepared her for what would come and the ascent back to the top with her. Uh, that five star Grand Prix, she came in on another level and really focused on delivering the very best that she could. And yeah, that final night, like the only reason you might not list Julia's final night in 2022 as the five star Grand Prix as the best five star Grand Prix performance is because the previous year, Shuri had gone through Takumi Roha and Momo Watanabe. It's a hell of a discussion for anyone that wants to debate which was the better night. I I think I would listen to either discussion because, oh, it is close. Uh, 
But fast forward to the moment, of course, December 29th. Shuri and Julia deliver one of the greatest matches in stardom history, one of the most personal, one of the most emotional, and like I said, one of the simplest, greatest five-star match in any book I'm reading. Um, it was tremendous, and Julia had finally reached the mountaintop, the mountaintop she had been trying to find since she came to the company at the end of 2019. She was the world of stardom champion, her and Shuri had an emotional moment in the ring. It was perfect. It was it was the perfect culmination of a year that saw DDM become its strongest and then become its weakest. It was the culmination of Julia going through the ups and downs, you know, losing her chance to ever potentially see the main event of the previous years, Star of Dream Queen due to injury, you know, having to fight her past um, demons of Ice Ribbon and Suzu Suzuki and everything that came with that. And she was able to get the big win over Tam Nakano in that five-star final and then finally defeated Shuri to win the championship. It was perfect. Everything about this night, everything about this story, it was perfect. And little did we know after that, that was as perfect as it was going to get. But I'll let you talk about this. It, it's important that you, you have to look at this story over the course of the full year for both Donna Del Mundo and Julia as a person because, you know, when Julia struggled, Donna Del Mundo struggled this year. And that wasn't the case last year because they had Shuri kind of holding up the raft, so to speak. Now they didn't have that same life preserver. And, you know, put more pressure on Mike and Himika, but they weren't necessarily looking to carry that load the way a Shuri could. So it was on Julia to kind of right the ship, get everything focused, and her journey to glory here was just just as much about rewriting the wrongs Donna Del Mondo had faced as it was getting her back on track when a year ago maybe she was meant to be in this spot. But she finally climbed the mountain. This was the pinnacle. Like, it was a fantastic match that culminated. Now, it brought a really good year for her uh, close in just the perfect way against Shuri. And it was nice to see the respect still there between them. After everything they'd gone to as ALK, as friends, and then as rivals, you still had that respect there. And that is something that continues to this day. It was February 4th, the 12th anniversary Supreme Fight Show, where DDM would have another big night as the Goddess of Star Championships were on the line and crowd noise returned on this very night in support of Mahime. Mahime would challenge Neo Star Neo Stardom Army. Why does Cage Match say that? Seven Up Neo Stardom Army did not last very long. Uh, they would challenge Seven Up for the titles in one of the best tag title matches you will see from 2023, coming oh so close as Micah and Hameka put on their best tag performance of their careers. Uh, just a fantastic match, and little did we know why they lost soon after that, because I remember watching that match, and everyone was so convinced, like, they, they got to win this. They got to win this. It just, because the crowd and the way they were reacting was just so perfect, and they ultimately fell there, and then Julia had her first title defense against Suzu Suzuki that same night. And the reason, oops, go ahead. I was like, it's important because, yeah, the, pretty much the entirety of Donna Del Mondo as a faction had occurred during a period where crowds couldn't audibly respond. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. They were together for a couple of weeks, essentially. And then COVID hit when they came back. You couldn't clap, you could clap, but you couldn't make audible noise. And that carried through all the way through to this point, February 4, 2022. So, yes, the crowds were back, and we didn't know how they were going to react. We didn't truly know who was going to get the most support. I don't think anyone expected my Himir to be as popular and as vocally popular with the crowd as they were on this night. And it really changed the perceptions. You know, a lot of people liked my Himir as a team, but you when you heard that, it's like, they have to take advantage of this. You know, people were talking about, oh, they should have changed the direction of who was meant to win this match in the middle of it to give the fans that moment. Obviously, that wouldn't have worked out in the long run. But in this moment, it was like, wow, okay, Donna Del Mondo really do have this max popularity with the crowd. Julie is popular. My Hime, like the top three members of this group, are just wildly successful and popular. What's going to happen to them now? Now that we know how popular they are, the sky must be the limit, right, Scott? It was six days later that the Jumbo Princess Hameka would announce her retirement road and she would be hanging up the boots and no longer competing in a pro wrestling ring. And that would start, of course, the road of Hameka's retirement featuring matches against Natsupoi, very emotional matches, mind you. Uh, Julia, she would team with Micah against a re- a reunion of ALK along the way. One of my favorite tag matches of the year last year. Uh, she she checked off all the boxes on her way to retirement. Um, and this this is the, so. I felt DDM was no longer DDM anymore when Natsupoi left. But any feeling of DDM that they once had, it completely ended once Hameka retired. It was no longer the great faction that it once was, like for sure. Because once Hameka was gone, it just felt so empty. Because, you know, again, I say that once Natsupoi left, they lost a lot. Like, I just like, this is not the same faction. But at least you still had Julia, Micah, and Hameka there. Once it was down to Julia and Micah, it just was never the same. Natsupoi brought a lot of personality and vibrancy to this group. And it was one of those things you didn't realize they were missing it until she came into the crew, until she became established. And then that's really what unlocked the full potential of prime Donna Del Mondo. When she was gone, thankfully, Julia, Mike, and Himika had kind of had enough time to develop you know, their true personalities so they were able to carry it a little bit, but it did feel like they were left wanting. Mm-hmm. With Himika gone, they felt far more mortal as a group because a, a, a top end of Julia, Mike, and Himika, that's a as strong a th- trio as you can put together in stardom. When your top trio is Julia, Mika, and, say, Tekla, Tekla's great, but it is a very big drop in strength. You can look at that group and instantly know, oh, well, Tekla's taking the pin. With the trio of uh, Micah, Himika, and Julia, or Julia, Shuri, Micah, Himika, even Natsupoi, it it's no longer so clear. It's almost like, well, no one here is losing this random tag match. So Donna Del Mondo are winning. That was no longer the case. They felt very mortal. They'd lost a lot of their soul, a lot of their spirit. And maybe there was an expectation that Tekla or My Sakurai would really rise their game to match what was now gone. Um, but it never really felt like they were going to try and replicate what they used to have. And that's very important. April 23rd, 
All-Star Grand Queen of the biggest show in stardom history would be where Hameka would have her final singles match in stardom, going one-on-one with Micah, who, of course, would get the win. And you guessed it, a very emotional match. <laughs> Little did we know at the time of that match that later in the night it would be Julia dropping the World of Stardom Championship to Tam Nakano in the main event. Ending any last life that I feel like this group truly had. Like, once Julia was no longer champion, it just happened to be the same night, you know, Hameka was going away. Mm. It just, they lost all steam. Like, it was just, all right, we're going to call this DDM because we have these wrestlers here, but it's not going to be the same anymore. And you felt that once the show is over because she was no longer champion. She had done everything, that being Julia. And there was real it just felt like there was no destination from here that made sense anymore. Some magical things happened. We found one more destination for DDM before it was all said and done. But with Omeka wrapping up and Julia losing the title, this really felt like that end. If anyone was looking for the end, this felt like the end. Not the official end, because that was a year later, but this felt like the end. Yeah, and it's it's not just the case of, oh, they no longer have the strength, but just the focus for these members changed. Julia felt like she went into more of an ancillary role. Her doing the Barry Barry Bombers stuff helped my Sakura and helped Tekla. It lifted them up, but it definitely felt like she was keeping herself a little busy. And the fact that those three were kind of off doing their own thing. Donna Del Mondo was no longer big enough to support three people having fun. And the others can kind of do their thing because it left Micra essentially on her own. And that felt very apparent. You know, she no longer had Shuri, who she'd teamed with in the tag league. She no longer had Natsupoyev, who she was an artist champion with. She no longer had her best friend, Himika. Micah, even though like she was very important in the group as the number two and like a clear cut number two now, like it wasn't a case of before where it was like, oh, it could be Himika. No, it was, it was Julia and then it was Micah. She felt very separated from this group. You know, didn't feel like she belonged with Barry Barry Bombers. May 14th would be Hameka's retirement show. She would do a gauntlet, get the top cork and uh, mm. attendance of the year. So that was pretty cool. Uh, it was a wonderful goodbye to the Jumbo Princess. Had everything you would look for. And it was very emotional, but it was very happy at the same time. This is one of the nicest retirement shows I've seen. And, of course, it wasn't the end of Jamaica this year in 2023. We get to see her celebrate one more time. Uh, but this was this was it. And I, I still, I'm still, like, shocked, <laughs> kind of, that Jamaica's retired. Because, like, mm. it just never... F- because even like during her retirement road, it just never felt like she should be a wrestler that's retiring. She she felt like she got to like her best ability while on the road to retirement. I was like, what is happening here? Why why is it happening like this? It's not that unusual for when when a Joshi retires, like not for injury or old age. This was just kind of her being like, I've done what I want to do in wrestling. I've got everything out of it that I would like. Yeah, she like she was just still reaching her prime in terms of athletic prime and wrestling prime. So it was nice that she got to kind of showcase like, yeah, I'm I'm living on my terms 
this isn't because I can't do this. It's because I don't want to do this. Um, and it was nice seeing her pop up at the end of the year and also at a random house show. She's in the crowd pretending she's not there and she stands out. Doesn't help when Mina Shirakawa goes out of her way to hunt her down in that crowd. But it was it was a wonderful retirement uh, for Himika. Like, it's never fun to see someone go out, but like, she went out on her terms. We're doing what she wants to do. And it did feel happy. You know, there was no kind of underlying sense of this is a sad retirement. Yeah. You know, it was sad for us fans. Right. Especially, especially this fan here. Um, <laughs> but it was it was a happy moment because it was like, yeah, she's moving on to what she wants to do. She's happy. She's doing this because she's choosing to. It's how you want someone to retire. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, her retirement opened the door. Mm. Little did we know at the time, but it opened the door for the Empress Micah to step up. And, of course, from here would be the slow movement of Micah and up the card. And we'll kind of get to it here in a more less less unofficial way because it's kind of a messy rest of the year for DDM mm. from here. Uh, so they do win the, the Bari Bari Bombers, as you mentioned earlier, win the Artists of Stardom Championships by defeating Restart on May 27th. That title reign was very forgettable. Took a back seat to Julia winning the Strong Women's Championship. Uh, but at the same time, which is kind of the main DDM story of the year, Micah is slowly breaking away from DDM. She never officially broke away, as we know. But she was teaming with Suzu Suzuki a lot. And Megan Bain. And May Sarah a little bit. Uh, she started to become a trio with Suzu and May Sarah because obviously Suzu and May Sarah were the odd duo out for the year and they needed a third and the Bari Bari Bombers were a trio. So what made the most sense? Let's put Micah with them. Micah, of course, would also form the tag team with Megan Bain. Divine Kingdom would go on to win the tag league later that year. Uh, but that story between Micah and Suzu continued to build whether it was the generational struggle where we saw julia and micah butt heads a little mm. bit of course it was the second match where julia pinned micah to get the win for the older generation and suzu suzuki questioned micah's abilities at that time fast forward to the five star grand prix injuries happened up and down that tournament. Sayakama Tani got hurt at the beginning. Utami got hurt. Starlight Kid got hurt. Uh, Natsupoi got hurt after her final match in the tournament. Injuries up and down. So what made the most sense at this point? Suzu Suzuki and Micah getting to that final. And Micah would fall to Suzu Suzuki, who, who of course has many connections to Julia and you know, you could kind of see that throughout the rivalry. It was sometimes about impressing Julia, it almost felt like, as we saw her ringside many times for these big matchups. It's important when you're looking at this period, like Don and El Mundo is struggling, and its members are kind of distracted and looking in their own directions. 
But at this point, Micah's eyes aren't away from Donna Del Mondo. Like, she, she recognises there's some issues here and things need to change, but she's not looking to leave necessarily. Um, I was very fortunate enough to actually get to interview her for WrestleIn and sort of asked her a little bit about, because this is right, it's right before the Five Star Grand Prix starts, so Donna Del Mondo kind of in this situation, trying to refine themselves a little bit. And I asked her, you know, Donna Del Mondo's been undergoing some upheaval over the past year. How is the group feeling right now? And how she responded was, a lot of stuff happened that caused people to leave Donna Del Mondo. She doesn't say why. That's why I believe that the bond between the current DDM members is stronger than ever. There's no toxic atmosphere. My wish is that there will be new member that's as badass and loves to train. So even though like she recognises Donna Del Mondo's not in a great spot right now, She's hoping that, you know, she can bring, maybe bring people in herself, kind of like how Julia did with Tecla and Mariah, to strengthen Donna Del Mondo and bring them back up. And, you know, in many ways, bring, looking at someone like Suzu Suzuki, May Sarah, Megan Bain, they're all people that kind of fit that mould. Someone who's badass, loves to train, willing to work hard, not afraid to sort of get their fingers a bit dirty as they try and, you know, unlock the full potential of themselves. It just so happened that, like, maybe targeting Suzu Suzuki isn't the best choice because she's such a headstrong personality that fits Donna Del Mondo, but is almost too much so. And you get the same issues that Shuri and Julia were ultimately getting to when Shuri won the red belt. The only difference is that maybe Suzu and Micah weren't mature enough to handle it the way Julia and Shuri did for as long as they did. The sister complex between Micah and Suzu would finally tip over following that five-star final. Micah was defeated, broken, as she watched Suzu get crowned as the five-star winner. And that, of course, brings us to the finals of the Tag League, where Micah and Megan Bain defeat Suzu Suzuki and May Sarah. And that is where Micah just lays out Suzu post-match. That was enough is enough. And then soon after that, with Tam Nakano relinquishing the champion, as she had relinquished it before this, by then, I believe. I don't remember what she relinquished it. Um, it, was, it was after this. Oh, right, because they just had announced the titles. Yes, 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 yes. So right after this, it would be announced that Tam Nakano is relinquishing the World of Stardom Championship, opening up a mini tournament at Cork and Hall to crown a number one contender to face Sue Suzuki in the main event of Stardom Dream Queen of 2023. And surprise to absolutely no one, that would be Micah winning that tournament and locking in her opportunity. Bring us to Stardom Dream Queendom. Micah becomes the World of Stardom champion, meaning that all three original members of DDM have held that title, all being crowned in back-to-back-to-back years at this very show. It may have not always been the plan, but it ultimately worked out perfectly for these members. A very emotional moment to see her get that win, it is worth noting that it was Julia that helped Suzu to the back mm. after that match. Now, we never really had to see much tension between these two because it was January 3rd that the Bari Bari Bombers would lose the Artists of Stardom Championships in the finals of the Triangle Derby. And one day later, 
Donna Delamanda was no more. Julia declared it the end of the group, claiming that the original intentions of the faction was to get her, Shuri, and Micah that red belt, which was achieved. Definitely didn't feel like a cop-out reason when you've got Keckler and my Sakura standing there who have never even had a World of Stardom championship shot. Thank but, God. like, it, it is definitely... <laughs> it, it worked out very smoothly for them. That, you know, the three original members, they all finally climbed that mountain all in the same location one year after the other. It was very fitting uh, that it sort of came together that way. And obviously outside factors influenced whether Donna Del Mondo would continue to exist in this situation. But like, as you sort of said, like 2023 kind of revealed that the faction wasn't what it was and it was never really going to find its way back. Even someone like Julia, like she didn't get into that mini tournament to try and get herself back in the world of stardom championship. She was content with the uh, trios title and this uh, stardom, the new Japan strong women's championship and to me, that kind of spoke two things. One, maybe, you know, allowing Micah to kind of be the focal point and to finish off that trifecta, but also that, you know, her direction was elsewhere now. Like the the fire that had been in Julia that sort of encouraged her to make Donna Del Mondo as strong as it was and lead them to the kind of success that it had maybe wasn't there after losing Shuri, after losing Mariah, after losing Natsupoy, after losing Hameka. Like, these are big losses to take on as a faction leader. Yeah, and after they were taking these losses, they never really found someone to come in. Yeah, it felt like Micah was doing the recruiting, not Julia. It was very important, I thought, at this time. Um, it just felt right for this group to end mm. and uh, had i had you had me saying that a year before this i would have said you're crazy but um natural reasons led this group to its end um i think there is a great reasoning behind these three being champion this is a good place to end it but obviously julia has new future goals that she is chasing and while we don't know what those future goals are just yet in any official case, we have a pretty good idea. Um, ultimately, Tekla also announced that she would be taking time off from stardom, heading home to Austria uh, to heal up because she is pretty beat up mm. as well. Um, but ultimately, DDM is over at this time. And, and after complete domination for five years it it found the an end that i don't think any of us expected it to look like mm. at any stage of this right um we started this with the micah shuri julia aspect and you go to the main five of course and then they're up to eight and <laughs> Somehow at the end, it just felt like that they weren't DDM anymore, like I said earlier. And it was, there was the writing on the wall. It did, we didn't need Julia having different future goals to get to this point. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people and the way the factions were built at this time said something needs to change. And 
DDM ending made the most sense, especially if Julia was not going to be around to lead it. Um, we won't talk about the legacy of DDM until next week and like the way we see the group, because mm-hmm. obviously it is a very important legacy that they have left on this company. However, uh, we will talk about kind of the end here and what our feelings are moving forward for these, all these wrestlers, obviously Jamaica, you know, we got to see her one more time when Micah won that world title. It was one of the best moments. If you watch through, and I know some people shut it off, you know, before we got to those backstage comments, but it was a perfect moment. Like it felt mm-hmm. like in many ways, Mahime finally having their moment, you know, <laughs> you know, Jamaica may have not won, but in many ways, Jamaica retiring is how Micah got there. Himika won because Micah won. Yes. And that that was always their relationship. That was the beauty Mm. of their relationship. Uh, But just looking at all these members, stardom doesn't reach its greatness without any of this happening. Like, Shuri was so important. And without DDM, Shuri is not in this company full-time by the end of 2020 and going on to become, you know, one of the greatest ever, one of the best in the world. At a very specific time, there was no one better in the world of professional wrestling than Shuri. Julia becomes a megastar. A megastar in pro wrestling. She has... The companies around the world watching her. She has Western fans singing her praises anytime she comes over, whether it be an Impact or New Japan or whatever it may be. And the rest, you know, you can go down the list. Natsupoy obviously has become such a key part of this company. You and me, while she's been injured, have been saying, man, this company is missing this woman. Like every show is missing Natsupoy. And obviously, Micah, I mean, what's there to say about Micah? We watched her grow because of DDM from raw JTO prospect that joined because she wanted to top Utami to one of the very best in the company and a world champion. I mean, you look at those five and it's just incredible what they would go on to become. Everyone has benefited from their role in Donna Del Mondo in some way or another. Because like, you obviously mentioned Shuri and Julia's success. Hemeka, you know, became very popular in her own right. Natsupoi is now one of the most popular wrestlers in Japan. Yeah. Not in stardom, in Japan. You look at Number the Tokyo three, Sports Awards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and she made it in the top 10 for the uh, Tokyo Sports MVP Awards, yeah. men and or women. Um, yeah, obviously a lot of that is to do with her partnership with Tam and Cosmic Angels, but she doesn't get there without the Donna Del Mondo stuff because like, it wasn't like she was brand new to wrestling when she came into stardom. <laughs> She'd yeah. been in stardom before. She'd gone off and done independent stuff. She was with uh, TJPW. She'd had chances to get over before sort of this period. Tekla, obviously, like her association with Julian Donna Del Mondo, was crucial to her finding her spot in stardom. And my Sakurai is arguably the biggest success story of the bunch because she went from people looking at her thinking she shouldn't be in the company to having established herself, having found a character that got over. And so much of that was her being able to learn and lean on Julia 
you know, her first few months with Donna Del Mondo, she's basically shadowing Julia as best as she can, learning, you know, getting away from the dancing and getting into the serious stuff. Of course, it was funny she said that when my Himopoi were artist champions coming to the ring doing their idol routine. Um, but everyone grew so much from their association with this faction. And, yeah, who knows what any of these people look like if they didn't have that familial relationship as outsiders kind of fighting against the rest of the company. It's incredible um, what these five would go on to be really like. If you didn't become world champion, obviously we don't know what Nazi Boy's future is. We don't know if she's ever going to win that title. I couldn't tell you. Um, but what those five would all become is either the most, some of the most popular wrestlers in Japan or world champion. And I think that says everything you need to know about DDM and how important that group was. And obviously we'll talk, like I said, we'll talk legacy in stardom, but those five, I mean, they, they left, they left a mark that I think as we watch stardom move forward without DDM, we are going to feel it more and more. Uh, we have got a hint of it, obviously, without the group being at its peak. Mm. But there's something about the group not existing at all that will take another step forward and making us realize. And obviously, every wrestler has gone on to succeed in this group since leaving, um, or the ones that did leave, I should say. Uh, and it's interesting to think... Uh, after all these title wins, after all these moments, after people were very against many of these wrestlers at one point or another at the start, including Julia, they became the most beloved. And that is just a credit to what they all created together. Uh, but before we get ahead of ourselves, I don't want to uh, kind of get to that legacy thing that we will talk next week. So let's talk about what we w are going to talk about next week. Of course, if you listen to the Stardom Road podcast, you know how these series go. We got a two-parter about their history, unless we get to a wrestler or faction that needs much more than that. We haven't got there yet, but we're going to eventually. We, uh, we know those wrestlers. Yeah, we just push them off because that's a lot of work. <laughs> um, but as you know in our third and final part we will go and break down some of the most important matches in the wrestlers history but now we will do it in the factions history and those four matches are if you want to go watch them if you want to go back and watch them if you want to check them out yeah I mean it's homework for us so it's homework for you too um, April 4th you get more out of it if you watch the matches too yeah April 4th, 2021, ALK versus Mai Hime for the Goddesses of Stardom Championship at Stardom Yokohama Dream Cinderella in spring. July 9, 2022, the match where Natsupoi turned on DDM and left them for Cosmic Angels. That is a match you need to see and experience. Maybe not for the match itself, but the final five minutes or so and mm -hmm. the post-match. That's why we have picked that match. It may not go up in, to the classics like a lot of these other matches are, but it's very important um, and one of the most important matches in the faction's history. It's also the only one here where it's Donadel Mondo fighting against someone else. You know, with, with Donadel Mondo, obviously a big part of them was challenging themselves against each other, um, and that's why we've picked a lot of the matches that we have done. Uh, but it was also important to see them working as a unit for... 95% of the match. 
and they were they were going to win the match. Mm. That's the, that's the they had a two to one advantage. Yeah. Uh, December 29, twenty twenty two. You guessed it. Shuri defending the World of Stardom Championship against Julia at Stardom Dream Queendom. Very excited to watch that one back. Uh, and April twenty third, twenty twenty three. Micah versus Hameka at All Star grand queendom and then of course talking ddm's legacy after that that will be the final part so go do your homework mm. if you want to enjoy the episode a bit more i know or you know you've probably seen the matches but still go go watch them back it's more fun that way that's why that's why we're doing it that's the yeah. that's the that's the reason we do these shows we want to watch these matches back uh gives so us an excuse exactly i'm always i'm always down for coming up with excuses to watch things back but before we go trent let the people know where to find you. Let the people know what you're working on and all that jazz. So you can find me on Twitter slash X at one up culture. Uh, if you like the sound of my voice and also Scott's voice, you can find us on the ocean cyclone show, which releases every month on the wrestling podcast network. I also do a Gatto move slash Choco pro uh, podcast with Jeff. I also, it's called Choco cast. That's also on the wrestling network. Uh, what do I have at the moment? Good question. Uh, at the moment, we're in the process of completing an interview with May Saruga from Gatto move Choco pro fame. Don't know when that'll be out, but it probably around the time either it'll be out or very close to coming out. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of what I've got going on right now. Very nice, very nice. Uh, you can follow me at Scott E Wrestling on Twitter. You can check out all the podcasts here on the Count Up Podcast Network, including my other show with Ryan on Ring Post Radio, where we talk about all the good things happening in wrestling and bad, unfortunately, over the past couple months. Um, what do I have working on by the time this episode's out? Um, the Sayori Anu interview will be old. Uh, I am working on other interviews, but I don't like I don't like to spoil it because you know things fall through. I don't know what, if they'll be for sure, but there should be one or two interviews out by the time this episode comes out. So hopefully that ends up happening. If it doesn't, don't yell at me. Uh, just make sure you're following me on Twitter. That's the best place to find what I'm up to. But that's it. That's all. We're done. Nice, nice hour episode. Easy. This, this is. See, we really are shortening the episodes now after the three hour and two and a half hour, whatever we did for those first two episodes of the year. It's only right that, uh, you know, we stop talking for a little bit. Um, we could, we could go on and on. That's the problem, mm. right? If we really wanted to, these DDM episodes could be really long. But we're giving you the basic facts things you need to know that's why we love doing this show so thank you to everyone that's listened for trent i'm scott and this was the startup road podcast on the count podcast network until next time see ya this has been a count out podcast Ring Post Radio is the only show hosted by Ryan Knight and Scotty Edwards that talks about the entire world of professional wrestling. With new episodes coming out every Sunday, there is absolutely no reason to not listen to real, honest wrestling opinions from two crazy maniacs. Have a hot boy summer and listen along to Ring Post Radio every Sunday on the Countout Network.